When practicing any type of self-development work, there comes a time when there is a need for reflection, a time to pause and check in with where we were and how far we've come, to gauge whether or not our effort is yielding the desired results and whether any changes are needed. This is the space that we are now in and currently offering to others as we are now inviting those who have been utilizing this philosophy in their lives to come on as a guest and share their personal journeys, the trials and the tribulations, the challenges and the championships that they have earned in the energetic realm of their own minds. I don't know, maybe that's just an Aries thing. On our first episode of this format, we invite Claire into the third chair to share her personal journey in using this philosophy with us. Now, if you would like to be a guest on the podcast and share your personal journey with us, please reach out to me or Alexander on Facebook or email me directly at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at wise-wise.com. We appreciate all of your energy and support. We are making some awesome changes to the podcast and more information will be released on those coming soon. But one change that you'll notice is that we're doing our Q&As monthly now instead of twice a month. And of course, we are introducing this new format where we are inviting on a guest onto the podcast to share their personal journeys with us and helping bring more experiences of self-development and perseverance into your ears in hopes that their stories can inspire you to grow and heal as well. And now let's journey with Claire. Uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. Welcome back to Wise Wise, another episode. Today, we're mixing it up, and going forward, we are going to be interviewing students of the philosophy, people out there who have had life-changing moments utilizing the wisdom from our one and only Alexander here. Mm. And today... We are welcoming our first guest, Claire. So Claire, why don't you say hello, introduce yourself. All right. Well, hello. I'm Claire Birchinoff. I currently live in High Point, but uh, I actually grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, so I'm fairly new to this area. Um, I randomly discovered Alexander through actually um, a yoga teacher of mine that I kind of connected with and... Um, you know, how things just fall into place. It was meant to be. So yeah, that was about a year and a half ago. And I started off just doing kind of random sessions and then really realized the power of this work and kind of picked up the frequency of sessions and just, and just trying to practice in my own life. Um, yeah, and, and I'm a teacher here in High Point, so this philosophy has not just helped me 
personally, but professionally a lot. So uh, very grateful for that. So well said. And, and deep thanks to you, Claire, for, uh, for coming and joining us in this sharing. And uh, this is a practice in vulnerability. And we do appreciate uh, being willing to step forward and share. I think people are going to get a lot from from your stories. So, um, Well, I guess, Claire, I would like to know, did you have any sort of self-development practice prior to being introduced to Alexander? Yes. <laughs> yes. I would say most of it was kind of based on cognitive behavioral therapy. I've struggled with some substance abuse in the past and different um like eating disorder, body image stuff. So I feel like I've been in therapy, talk therapy, pretty much since I was a teenager, but that has such a limit. And I feel like I had really reached my limit. Um, You know, I I do consider myself a spiritual person. I was raised in the church, but kind of stepped away from that um, and was really just trying to figure out what all of this meant to me and how to make it work for me when. Um, I connected with Alexander, so it was really just perfect timing. What would you say was one of the kind of the biggest differences that you felt in the beginning of of just the approach, or or maybe if it wasn't the approach, something else that that seemed to be different about this work, the Just Philosophy, than maybe the other self help or the cognitive assistance that you had gotten. Well. <sighs> I actually, if I could, I'd rather answer that from what was the difference between the just philosophy and religion that I came out of. Um, The reason that religion no longer worked for me was because of the self-condemnation, the, the belief that we are bad, that we're flawed. And that just really played into my whole journey of self-hatred and, you know, hurting myself and, and really trying to figure out what self-love looked like if I still had to believe that we were bad, bad, bad. So the main difference was I think the whole, the whole concept of acceptance just rocked my world really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you say acceptance is not condoning, but um, just recognizing coming to a place of peace that this is the way it is you know, and not necessarily that acceptance, acceptance doesn't mean non-action. I've had to kind of work through that too. Right, right. Um, so the very first way that all of this work helped me was in my own self-love journey. Beautiful. And I think it has to start there, right? <laughs> yes, it does. And that, that acceptance being, that uh, doesn't mean condoning or approving of, but it does mean that acceptance is the first step to well-being. And what is actually happening in our lives in order for us to make an adjustment, that very first step of acceptance is skipped by many people. And, and so lots of change and lots of growth is attempted out there, but people haven't accepted themselves or accepted their situation. And so it can kind of waste a lot of energy. Claire, uh, some of the language that we use within the philosophy to help others identify with us would be the human design system and the destiny cards. Are you willing to, uh, to openly share what, what, uh, the profile number and the cards and the, the, 
the make the make and model of human design that you are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and that was a huge breakthrough for me. Um, was getting my charts and just learning a little bit about my energetic makeup, I guess, because that did lead to a greater sense of acceptance for who I am. Um, so I, in the human design, I'm a one three and a generator and all of my centers are activated except for my throat chakra and my GPS center. Um, I'm terrible at directions. So that was really uh, <laughs> affirming. <laughs> um, but, and oh, and then my, um, my cards, my birth card is a Jack of diamonds. And then my planetary card is a six of clubs. Mm. So that, <laughs> The biggest thing that stands out to me from those readings where I found out that I'm actually apparently extremely sensitive and a very emotional person and, um, you know, just, I guess, based on environmental factors and all that, I had really shut a lot of that down. Right. So that was huge for me. Yes. And, and once again, it comes back into that self-acceptance because these two tools can give us confirmation. Um, because many of us put on a suit that we don't necessarily want to wear, but we were either forced to from uh, traumatic uh, environments or we sought to be accepted. And so we tried to fit in. And so that is a big part of this work is sharing each individual's individuality and helping them to truly get closer to their authentic self. And I think that's a big step towards that self-acceptance that you're doing so well of explaining. I feel like my experience with the Just Philosophy has been like this giant, I guess I envision it as like a barrel rolling down a hill where I yes. just keep collecting stuff. And <laughs> mm -hmm. so there's never, I mean, I guess I could, I could come up with like maybe like a big moment in my realization, but I want to know, like, do you have a, a big moment or what's the most impactful moment that you've had so far where you were like, wow, this is going to change my life it's changing my perceptions and it's it's setting me apart from who I've been my entire life oh my god so many <laughs> it's funny when you ask that I'm like okay how do I even narrow this down I guess it will stay on the same thread of self-love and self-development and please um, feel free to share a couple or or a few uh, not to isolate that down to the one most important but have okay. that leeway as well yeah, I think that's a little easier. <laughs> um, the, the very first one that rocked my world was something that you said to me, Alexander, that it seems like I was constantly deciding who I was going to be um, and how I was going to show up in every situation. How do I want to present myself to this person? And that's been a kind of a constant theme in my life of just like holding on so tight, trying to control the environment that I'm in. and you, you encouraged me to just be, hmm. that's really sounds so simple, but that it's is not. really hard for me. <laughs> yes. 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 And that does take effort. And because it's part of like breaking patterns, even patterns that we don't realize is patterns. So, so that's a, that's a great one to bring up. And did that have to do with, was that you were afraid of judgment of other people and then essentially maybe self judgment? Yeah, you know, I actually think that ties into my my jackiness a little bit of um, one of my gifts, I think, is that I can walk into a room and kind of work the room a little bit. Um, 
one of the challenges of that is that I can slip into manipulation sometimes without realizing it. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Fear of being my full true self in front of people. So I'm going to decide who I want to be today. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. Make that, make that first move to initiate kind of even in the conversations, the direction of the conversations. And that does tie, tie into the vulnerability. And so many in our culture are stuck into that, that program of basically defending who they think they are rather than truly accepting who they are. And I think you did a great job of explaining that those are characteristics of the Jack. And that's why the card system really helps us to see our personality side and our higher self side and the human design helps us to see that energetic makeup and and that's the value of both of those systems together and that yes the jack is playful it's youthful people like being around the jack energy so they can um, mold to the situation really well but the other uh, side is that they can be sneaky manipulative which can still be useful in certain ways but many times in youth in our 20s or teens we learn to hone those skills to kind of get what we want and then they can become automatic tendencies that we don't even realize that we're doing and so once again it helps to reveal these kind of hidden things that we know about ourselves but uh, the confirmation really helps us to kind of clear it up yeah <laughs> and then Another huge moment uh, was in my marriage. And so my husband's name is Luke. And Luke works out of town, um, usually for several months at a time. And we've been married for almost six years now. And in the past, we have not done distance well. And so we were trying to be kind of preventative this time. And asked Alexander to do a session with both of us and just, you know, try to get some tips for, for how to do long distance and keep the intimacy and keep connecting. So Alexander, you gave this, <laughs> this image that I don't even play tennis, so I don't know why, but this was just so powerful for me that the way we've been operating, we were like two separate players and I'm over here like serving aces, you know, straight down the line, smoking the ball down, you know, across the, the net. And then I would get really frustrated when Luke wouldn't be able to return the surf. And that was just talking about kind of our communication style. I would come into conversations with all of these expectations and just get so defeated or frustrated and or just angry when he didn't respond the way I wanted him to, or, you know, couldn't engage because my expectations were so high. And, um, it was kind of funny as you were kind of talking us through that Luke, Luke said, yeah. And then if I can return the serve, you usually throw the racket and walk off the court and want to quit playing, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and humor is really important in our relationship too, but that whole image to me, just struck such a chord and I realized how much I was bringing expectation into our communication. And then when it didn't go the way I wanted, I would go into an emotional reaction and then just shut down and then it's all, you know, blown up anyway. Yeah. 
so so well said and that was so impactful and the other part of that analogy was to instead of it being a competition to volley and to keep the the ball going and that's that's kind of like the conversation you know rather than always needing to direct the conversation it does take vulnerability and to have that volley and to actually see how long can we keep this volley going because that can be just as fun as playing competitively. You're working as a team to keep the ball in the air, so to say, and that's that's the the conversation analogy. And I do remember both of you just lighting up. It was like both of you got it almost simultaneously uh, so well. So I'm so glad that you brought that story up. And we kind of joke about it now, like when we have a successful communication experience, we'll be, we'll be like, yeah, we're volleying, you know. So. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I think I mentioned it in, in the six priorities in relationship at the end where it's good to have words to describe certain things, especially touchy subjects. Like if you guys have a behavioral pattern where you just start to attack each other, if you had like a funny name for it, like popsicle or just something funny, then you can be like popsicle yep. and you're not, and nobody's accusing anybody. It's just like we're in a, a space where we need to, you know, take some time away. Yeah. And I do kind of have a, I have a story about, <laughs> actually I have two stories, one where we did it really well and one where we kind of fell on our faces pretty miserably. <laughs> so is, do you want to hear those sure. stories? Yeah, <laughs> okay. So Luke and I like to backpack and hike and camp. So we usually take a big trip every summer. And this past summer we were, we were traveling, we were tired. We'd been hiking all day and kind of in the car, in and out of the car traveling. And it's funny, Alexander, something else that you always say that sticks with me is like, be well-fed, well-rested. Like I get very hangry. So anyway, that was, that's what was happening. <laughs> that's what was happening for sure. And we ended up getting stuck in traffic. We were on our way to our campsites and it ended up being a lot farther away than I had anticipated. And I was driving. So like enter road rage. Mm -hmm. So I definitely went into an emotional reaction. And a lot of times when I do that, th what that looks like for me is um, shut down I go silent and then he can, he can't access me anymore. Right. I'm just gone. So that was kind of what was happening in the car ride. We got to the campsite. I knew we needed food. So we immediately set up dinner, had dinner. And then we set up the tent because I needed physical space to just kind of get it together. So, and I never used to do that. By the way, that's also okay. been a huge, huge tool. Good point. Good point. Uh, so I went into the tent, just kind of went into meditation, did some breathing, kind of talked myself through it. Like, you, are you better now? Are you, are you okay now? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready to talk. I went back out there and we were, we were able to have a very conscious conversation where I kind of apologized. I said, Hey, this is what was going on with me. And then he was able to share what that experience was like for him oh. when I shut down and he had never shared that with oh, me before. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a really powerful moment because I realized he was able to share things that he was previously scared to share because of how I might react. And then it seems like a small moment, but we both just felt like this is a win. 
Like oh, it was yes. such a win. <laughs> yes, and those celebrations are are worthy of of notating because we we need to congratulate each other for the work and. I tell people all the time, if you want to help your loved ones, you do the work on yourself. And by you taking that time and doing the disciplines that you had picked up to get get by yourself, to talk yourself down, to get to that point, to want to communicate, it gave him time to process as well. And then your vulnerability by owning your part gave him the invitation to be vulnerable and chills are shooting all over my body right now. I mean, it's... A, it's amazing to hear these types of of stories, and that's exactly why we're we're shifting to bring some people in to share these because they may seem you know small just in conversation, but these are the things that I feel like people should be talking about. That they should be talking about these successes in communication and like what it took around our friends and families and that type of thing to not rub it in their face, but to inspire to show that, no, when I showed my belly or I showed my vulnerability, then it allowed him to share something that, you know, you guys have been together even longer than six years, that he hasn't been comfortable for whatever reason with himself or with you to share that. And that's the beauty of vulnerability. And uh, we just recently released a podcast around vulnerability, and that was actually our last Q&A uh, this past um, Monday. So... So another great, great story of of a huge success that that and for both of you to be able to recognize it and celebrate it, uh, that's that's just phenomenal. Yeah, at least for me, I'm so quick to to discipline myself <laughs> when I don't do things right, but I ne- I rarely celebrate when right. I do things correctly or the way I I hope I would. Yes, and it's not a point of feeling like you've reached some kind of plateau. It's just that, hey, we're climbing this mountain, <laughs> and every time we get to a little oasis, let's, let's, let's enjoy that, but not think that we don't have more climbing to do. And I think that we've kind of been taught that in our culture to not pat ourselves on the back too much um, because there's more to do or, or whatever. But, but I see that we've, we've lost that as a culture. We've lost the celebration of small successes in life, and we tend to carry the conversations on much more about what isn't working or what's wrong than than those types of conversations. So I'm going to put you on a little bit on the spot here, and I'm just going to ask you, what, have you shared that story with anyone else? And if so, how many? You know, a couple. Okay. <laughs> I Not a lot, though. Um, honestly, we've had kind of a rough go. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of this year, we were kind of at a crossroads, really. Um, I think it really did come down to communication. Right. And so I had kind of built this narrative in my mind that, you know, we have a lot of our charts overlapping. We have a lot of Mars energy. Um, So we we fight a lot, or at least we did a lot in the first few years. And. And that um, is friction and attraction. Mars yeah. is the planet of friction and attraction. Um, but yeah, all my people in my life know that the struggle that we've had. And so it's interesting that you ask that. I don't know that I really focus. I feel like I go to my friends and my family more when things are really bad. <laughs> yes, and, and I think that that's kind of why I asked that question is to see that that is such a habitual pattern in our culture 
instead of talking about those successes and just, hey, let me tell you about, you know, on this trip and where it did break down, but we repaired it together and then we got to celebrate and this is how we did it. Because that's, once again, the information that people need is, well, how did you do it? Okay, well, I saw I was taking stuff personally and rather than vomiting my emotions on my partner, I went and took some time alone and I got calmed down. I got to a point to where I wanted to connect back with him and then that opened the door for him. I mean, those that's, uh, of course, it's not about that you should have, would have, or could have done anything different, but just putting you on the spot like that just kind of shows that many times we will have a great experience in a day or with somebody but we just talk about it rarely and and just bring that to our attention that that yeah maybe I do want to tweak that a little bit and start sharing more of those stories yeah and i feel like i don't allow myself to celebrate because i don't want to be seen as arrogant and right. i feel like i'm very humble so i'm like oh it's not a big deal but like so what is it with that in our culture do you think that's part of it well yes yeah, guilt i mean we we've been taught you know most of us was driven to do for others before you do for yourself and so anytime that our culture normally does something for themselves they they feel that initial just feeling of guilt and so my thing about the celebration is it doesn't have to be like if it's if it's for yourself it doesn't even have to be vocal it can be vocal but it doesn't have to be vocal to anybody it could be vocal just in nature but my main thing is just really taking the time to activate that feeling in that second chakra of that that creative like man I just did something different and it was a success and I want to the 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 main reason from a vibrational standpoint is that you want to imprint that memory in your cellular structure and the way that you imprint that deepest is by being in it and being in it for a longer period of time staples it more and we do just the opposite in our culture we linger in the negative and we let the so-called positive just pass by so quickly and that's what uh, once again is one of the points of this philosophy is to flip those polarities and always recognize the so-called darkness or negative shine the flashlight on it but shine the spotlight on the so-called positive or what's working or the change and uh, so I think that, you know, uh, as we continue to have these types of discussions, this is what I feel like people need to hear is that everyday people that are utilizing this philosophy, how they still have these successes, but still subconscious roadblocks that, that are there that are keeping us from this expanding that ripple out more and more and more. And so hopefully this will just be inspirational, you know, for people. And I thank you so much once again for for being vulnerable and sharing these stories they're they're amazing i couldn't have asked for for better uh first go at it i did want to bring up luke in that situation where you guys have been you said together or married six years but probably together longer than that and he never felt comfortable to be vulnerable with you to share his experience i think in in our society that is viewed as that's just the way he is Right. in a relationship and it's never like things nobody ever thinks that things could be different if like if 
if you were different? You know, if you responded differently, would he respond differently? And I think that's oh an gosh. important thing to think about. It was like meeting a whole new person. Right. It was crazy. And this and this connects to the roles and relationships. See, you changed your role first, which allowed him to change his role. And many people are busy telling the other person what they need to change. But when we change ourselves due to the physics of how energy works, when we change ourselves, everybody around us has to change or get out of our energetic field because it creates friction and and energies want to harmonize so so that's the beauty why actual change is so much more important than talking about change because the change is what changes your vibration and by you going back you know once again in humility uh, where you're normally maybe a warrior princess and he's looking for you to come back like ready to go and then see that just completely trips somebody up when no i'm not coming with a charge i'm coming hey showing my showing my hands putting my heart on my sleeve and that makes uh, almost anyone uh, change their vibration almost instantly but it takes courage it takes it takes a lot of uh time and practice especially breaking these these patterns that you're discussing to to be that strength to be the one directing and to be willing to just be as you said and to trust and love your partner and that's what i saw in that that all of the the defenses was laid down and it, and it just gave the opportunity for something uh truly communicative and conscious to happen and you both played your roles differently and with success and claire have you guys had a chance to discuss the the roles and relationships that i think we we shared in a podcast a couple a couple episodes ago talking about like provider uh protector nurturer i think there was one more there yeah there's uh the provider the teacher, the protector, and the entertainer. Yeah, we did talk about it a little bit. You know, we didn't dive deep into it. Um, I will tell you the the priorities activity from from that podcast really led to a, an awesome discussion. Um, but this one, we we both realized that we were not loving each other the way we would each prefer to be loved, or you know, to have that person show up. Um, so Luke, Luke would say he wants to be the protector. And then I was immediately like, but I don't need protecting. So right. thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, and then I want to be the teacher. I mean, that's just, I'm just drawn to teaching. And he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and we yes. both wanted nurturer. So right. it was interesting. Yes. And that's, that's good to bring up in conversation. And of course, Claire was talking about the six priorities in relationships and that breaks down from your partner, your kids or immediate family, your social time, your career or life goals, your connection to source, that divine energy, and the self. And when you take time to really list those six priorities in order of your true preference, it can really help you in your decision making and it can help you in your communication with with your partners so uh, so so glad that you brought that up that you did utilize the the six priorities and the reason why i asked that was i was envisioning your interaction there where you're in the tent and he's out there and he's building a fire 
<laughs> well, okay, well, that, that was good to add in, but but I was thinking, you know, in general terms, the masculine energy usually wants to provide and protect for the feminine. And if you come, you know, in like a raging bull with that masculine energy, there's nowhere for like he can't if he tries to one up you, it's going to turn into a fight. So I don't I don't know what he normally would do in that situation, but I know I've been in a very similar situation where the female was the tended to play the masculine role and I would just play quiet because I, I didn't know how to interact with that and it's not it wasn't as simple as just like, oh, I can just turn on how I want to feel. There's a real energetic effect that you feel, like the chemistry, it's real. And, and like it, you know, I've always been able to maybe be like, ah, you know, it, it's probably there, but I don't, you know, it's like underneath, you know, you don't really see it or feel it and you can pretty much control how you want. But if you're not I mean, I don't know, you'd have to be really conscious, at least in my experience in this one instance where I just, I can't one-up that without, you know, doing it consciously. Yeah. So he can respond in both ways. He can be more passive and kind of let me like rage. And then when he does decide to to rage with me, then it's like, whew. Mm. But that leads me to my, my fail story, quote unquote <laughs> fail. Um, just a couple days later, we were almost in the exact same situation. And again, we were traveling all day, tired, exhausted, hungry. And both of us had different expectations of how we thought the day was going to go. Um, different itineraries in our mind, essentially. And, you know, of course, did not communicate that to the other person. It was this like big blow up thing in the parking lot in the Tetons. And we went to our campground, we set up the tent, we went our separate ways for pretty much the whole night. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really took the next day, we did kind of this body breaking hike. It took that extreme physical experience together for us to even kind of like thaw and start talking again. And, you know, like I said, humor, he used his humor to melt the ice a lot, mm -hmm. which usually works. But we tried to have that conversation. We tried to have the exact same conversation that we had just a couple days before. Right. And neither one of us were really willing to, I guess, set aside our uh, victimhood, right. Right. <laughs> I guess. And we got nowhere. And, yeah. um, and then after the hike, we were kind of laughing about it and did have a quick follow-up combo. And it was just like, all right, let's move on. But it, it just struck me. I was like, how, how can we have two totally different experiences in essentially the same experience? Yeah. And, I, and I'm so glad that you brought those up and that the so-called fail, which in the just philosophy is just an opportunity to grow. It's nothing negative, but the fail come after the success and perfect because we need to practice something a hundred times and give ourselves at least 30 fails because in school you get to pass normally with somewhere around a 70. Uh, is that still your teacher? <laughs> is 70 still passing? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so see, we don't need to hold ourselves to perfection and we need to give ourselves room to grow. And that's why 
you know, if you fail 30 times out of 100, you're still going to be a success. And and those are going to continue to get less and less and less as you get better at it. But one of the main things here is that the physical exercise, each emotion has a different way to help process them. And anger is processed through physical exercise. So any couple that I work with that has a lot of Mars energy, such as Luke and yourself, that's one of the first things I tell them. You have to do things together to whether you're either on the same team or you're working out together because that competition is going to show up, especially when there's different perceptions, different agendas, different plans, and different expectations. All of those fit together. And sometimes when we allow the emotion to get too high and that anger to get too amped up, then that's where the attempt to communicate just can't happen. And that may be where the fine-tuning is in those two events is to go, okay, where did I break off to go get space the first time? I see that possibly that was sooner I wasn't quite as deep into my emotions, so the lesson from the fail could be, yes, I see now that it is imperative that I get my space before the emotions get too big. And if that means, in my opinion, pulling over on the side of the road and saying, hey, we had this, we were hoping to be here to this point in an hour, but I think we could take five or ten minutes right now to just pull over take some space away so that we're able to clear and carry on this conversation rather than trying to make that deadline hypothetically and being in the car with each other and both just you know just brooding over there so so that's just uh, the way to use the failings and the successes and then to see dial it in and just say okay where did what made that a success and more than likely it was the height of the emotional internal reaction before the, you were able to get your space to do that processing and both come back showing their belly rather than, you know, both coming with their arms crossed, so to say. And just amazing that you would share uh, both of those uh, experiences. Yeah, I think I, I do thank you for also being vulnerable and sharing both of those because it's, it's just so funny how when we have a success – I know in my, in my experience, I just talked about how I didn't congratulate myself, but there have been a few times where I felt just really good with my practice. Like I, like I, I had crossed a hurdle and kind of been like, okay, I'm in a good, I'm in a really good spot. I could take on anything. And then the universe just came like slammed something bigger in my face and I just failed and I was reduced to, you know, just a pile of humbleness. And so when you do have a success, <laughs> there's probably going to be another challenge right behind it that may be even harder to climb through. So I guess, you know, always trying to be that balance and, and ready. Yeah, I think, it, I think that that balance is I'm glad that you brought that up because in the celebrating of the success, it's important to have that. I'll, I'll say the 360 degree view here to where. You, you share in the success while realizing that you've got more mountain to climb. And that's kind of in the same thought process. To me, that's what brings the humility back in of I'm celebrating this because I've finally gotten to a place that I haven't reached before, but I'm not fooling myself to think that I still don't have a whole mountain to climb. Uh, to me, that balance is, is what keeps that in check. Because, yes, if we do celebrate too much, then it can seem like life is just picking on us. Like, really? You just threw that on me right when I felt like I could take a breath. 
and um, and that is part of practicing humility, which is hopefully sprinkled throughout the whole just philosophy. And we discuss that on the wise wise a good bit because humility is very important, and humility is part of staying grounded, staying centered, uh, carrying the overall good of everyone involved, which is something that is very good to to meditate on from time to time. So. Um, so I think once again those those two back to back stories were just so informative. I mean, you've you've given us so much so far. It's incredible. I'm glad you went on to uh, explain the different levels and and bringing in humility there because it it did help me to clarify a little more for myself because like I would bring in the guilt because I will because I recognize that I am humble and I know there's more, but to clarify that you're just celebrating. To a, because you're at a place where you've never been before, right. I think that's a good way to describe it. Yes, and to to realize that you know when you when you are celebrating, there's there's a difference. Like there's even an uh, an appearance difference. Like we can be celebrating with the biggest smile in my abdomen being so warm that I just feel so good about what just happened. Or we can be jumping up and down, waving pom-poms, yelling and screaming and wasting our energy. And that's what attracts that lesson from my meager opinion is that jumping up and down and waving the pom-poms, as one of my great teachers said, you know, go out there and do good work. Go do amazing work, but don't stand on your soapbox and wave your flag talking about all the work you're doing because you want to stay under a certain amount of radar to be the most effective in in our society and and how we celebrate is very similar most time when people think of celebrating they do think of that in their their mind of jumping up and down and losing their minds but sometimes people will say alexander you just seem so blah all the time and i say please don't misconstrue there's a party going on inside but i don't need to attract the ones that want to rain on my parade rumi has a great uh, poem that says why the frown so that those that mean harm won't recognize me. So because many people that are in a bad mood, they will seek out somebody in a good mood, and they will look to destroy that good mood because they're celebrating or something. But if the person's in a good mood but nobody around them even knows, see, that's a beauty in that because the people around them will be benefiting from the energy of that mood, not the appearance of that mood. So celebrate, but don't do it in a way that exhausts your energy. Maintain that celebration. And I think what may go wrong with me is it might be the activated throat chakra, but talking about it in a certain way with other people, like like I'm now at the next level, <laughs> right. like that may not be smart. <laughs> yes, yes, and I, and I do think uh, saying, you know, and that level could be level one, <laughs> and I know that I've got 100 to go, yeah, and, you know, but I haven't even gotten to level view. one yeah. in this particular point. And so, so once again, how we express it can be part of that humility and still part of the celebration. I'm so glad to be at number one, even though I got 100 you know, to go, because uh, last week I've just, I, I could only get up to 0.5 up to this point. Um, so, yeah, I think that's important to bring, keep that balance. So, Claire, are there any current challenges, life, life challenges you're going through that you could pull on the just philosophy to help you out? Yeah, <laughs> just, um, I think I'm thinking mostly about my professional life now you know 
<laughs> Thank you so much for your service, by the way. I want to say that to all the teachers out there. Uh, you're amazing. It's your time, and I'm so uh, so proud of uh, all the teachers that I'm connected with. Thank you. You know, it is going to be an interesting year, and kind of over the summer when we were slowly learning about how this was going to look with schools reopening or going all distance learning or not. Um, I really just spiraled. I, I think it took me a solid two weeks to kind of get on the other side of that quote unquote mental breakdown. <laughs> but I, I allowed myself to feel my feelings. Can it was think? a little excessive, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm new. Okay. Um, yeah. So now I've, we don't know what the future is going to look like. And that's very hard for me. And it's very hard for most kind of type A teachers that I know. We love to plan. We love to have all the structure, everything ready to go. Right. Because just by the nature of, you know, hanging out with teenagers all day, things are not going to go the way that you want them to go. So something that I'm really trying to, to embrace is leaning into trust. And trusting that my connection to the divine is going to kind of guide my curriculum this year, as strange as that may sound. Um, for the first time, I've been teaching for, this will be my ninth year of teaching. I'm really going into this school year. You know, I have plans ready, but I really just want to jump in with the kids and find out where they are mentally, emotionally, you know, they're going to bring, be bringing in and all kinds of stuff too. And, um, that's really hard for me. So my old self, I think that's my, my six of clubs. My old self is freaking out like, no, Claire, you need to have boom, 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 ready to go. Um, but I think I've in the past maybe missed so much of what the universe was sending my way because I got to get back to the agenda, you know? Yes. And that's, so beautifully said, and that is connected to the very first pillar of this philosophy, finding the divine in the chaos. And this is a perfect example of that, that right now things are chaotic, but there is a, a divine uh, energy in it. And part of that being in that divine energy is not trying to control it, not trying to manipulate it, not trying working with it like nature and and this is something that is you know happening all around the globe so to say in in different uh, aspects and so i think that 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 small thing is really a huge thing that being able to i mean people talk about just go with the flow and and uh, that's so easy to so-called say but when you actually start practicing it Many times there is structure that's needed in how to practice tearing down structure. And that's kind of what, uh, once again, another one of the main points of the Just Philosophy is, is to, to lean into the friction of what we want to resist in our life and find a new way to approach it to like, I mean, yes, you have such an opportunity to learn so much. And, and being a teacher, for me, that's what separates a true educator from just teachers is true educators, they learn from their environment constantly, and they're able to adapt to that environment. And they're able to educate no matter what the parameters are. And uh, too many teachers do get stuck in the stagnation of curriculum, and they've been forced to do that. That's not a judgment. And I think now is such a beautiful time for those 
that to be broken down and for teachers to get to kind of approach it in a unique way. And I think it sounds like you're just doing an amazing job um, already. But the main thing, uh, I feel that your energy is just so um, in sync with it. I don't, I don't know if you're seeing that with other teachers or if you're seeing a lot of resistance, but, but just seeing it, not comparing you to anybody else, just to yourself, you are seeing a big difference. I mean, can, can you, can you hypothetically imagine if it'll been two years ago and you would have been going through something like this? Honestly, I don't know that I would have stayed with the profession. I mean, Uh, what, what teachers are being asked to do seems insurmountable, but we're all in it together. And, I've just been really trying to focus on, you know, what, what kind of energy do I want to bring to my students and, and to my coworkers. And I've just never really thought about it that way before. Wow. Yes. So beautifully, so. so beautiful. Well said. So if you were still utilizing willpower instead of trusting in this instance, what would that look like with so many unknowns would you just be totally stressed out and and putting so much energy, energy that you don't even have into trying to be prepared uh, for any single direction that it could go? Well, honestly, I'll just go off of what I've done in the past. And that's without COVID and without quarantine and all that. You know, it's sleepless nights. It's staying up, letting my mind go, 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 trying to prepare for every possible scenario. Um, it's working 12 and 14 hour days. I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm just not. And it's not because I don't care. I actually feel like I, I care more now just knowing what the kids have gone through, you know, this past summer. And, um, it's just a decision that if I'm not in a good place, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I can't be the teacher that I'm, I'm dreaming of being you know, um, and I snap when I get stressed, I snap at kids that cannot happen. I don't want that to happen. I snap at my coworkers. Like it's the opposite of my goal. <laughs> right. so. so yeah, well said once again. So I would ask you in your, if you're comfortable sharing in the six priorities of relationships or just in life, it, when you did that exercise, did you put yourself above your profession? I did. I did because I've noticed the shift. I noticed the shift last year in my classroom, actually. Um, Because when I was able to trust, and now I see that I can see the kids energetically too, which was such a gift. I've never, ever thought about that in the past. Um, But when I was able to trust that, you know, this special combination of energetic beings, it's going to go where it's going to go. Obviously I'm still the adult in the situation, but um, it created space for kids to be more creative. I mean, it, it really blew my mind what kids were capable of when I just kind of got out of the way mm. of it and stopped talking so much <laughs> <laughs> and just let them, um, really engage with, and I teach literature, so it's, it's a beautiful combination with all the stuff I've been learning from Alexander too, and from you, Aaron. Um, but yeah, for the priorities, it's me, 
I'm trying to remember how I, I, I did God, me, my relationship, my intimate relationship, my career, my social life, and then my family. And I know those aren't the proper terms, I'm sure, but. No, no, it was well said, well done. Yeah, yeah, and thank you for sharing. And Alexander, maybe you can talk about, you know, how she is utilizing the exercise in her perspective because she's realized that she needs to have the energy to put into and and uh, making sure that she is being conscious in how she directs herself within her profession and how those could be unbalanced and what that looks like and also um, how she could very easily allow her profession to even override her relationship and how that could cause issues if she's not clear and, you know, always going back to the well to remember what her priorities are. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we don't have it, we can't give it. And many people forget that. And energy is our main fuel. Uh, and our energy gets either decreased or increased through the five senses and how we manage the stress or our perceptions of what's going on in our lives. So when we take time to make sure that we're taken care of and we're approaching the situation in a way that we can process and do good, the people around are going to benefit. But many times our culture feels that if they, if they overwork, if they overstress, it means that they care more, and, but they have less to give. And it's a very backwards way of approaching things. And so sometimes when there's so much to get done, the most useful thing is to take a time out. And um, that's what I was talking about. Even when you're driving and you get into a uh, challenging conversation with your mate, you may want to make that next destination in a certain amount of time, but that five or ten minutes to pull over the, on the side of the road right away and just say, hey, let's just give our, give our energy fields time to just be to ourselves for five or ten minutes and, and see if that doesn't make the trip just completely different. So I think that uh, seeing the importance of the self isn't a selfish thing when you are taking care of yourself rather than getting what you want. And that's the main thing is that that those priorities when when the self is put up there, that's what that's about. Not just to get what the self wants, but to give the self what it needs to be optimal in connecting with others. And so I think that that's a, a you know a, a fresh way to look at an approach. And I think that Claire's already given uh, more than enough examples of of how. She, that has helped her and helped her kids in connecting with them. And I also realized that when I wasn't feeding into myself, then I really played up my victim mentality. Like, and I think just being part of the teacher community, that can be kind of rampant of like, I'm working myself to the bone and, you know, fill in the blank. I'm not paid enough. I'm not getting enough time off or, you know, no one's appreciating me. So when you kind of give yourself that appreciation, then you don't need to go into victim mentality. Well said. <laughs> well said. And, and the more we do feed ourselves, the less feeding we need from others. Yeah. yeah and it seems like maybe, yeah, you were uh, blaming other people for the attention that, and the choices that you were technically making that people don't realize that they're making every day of how, you know, how we give out our energy. And so you were being, you were kind of in the perspective that other people were taking and you weren't giving. Yes, definitely. So Claire, in wrapping up, I wanted to ask if you could go back 
seven years, because we like to talk about seven-year cycles. So if you could go back seven-plus years, what guidance would you want to give to yourself that you feel like would be uh, helpful in your journey back forward? Mm. <laughs> so 27-year-old Claire. Oh, you know, I, I don't really have regrets. I wouldn't change anything that happened because I do trust that everything was processed the way it was supposed to. But I think if I could give her some encouragement, it would be to not, and my mom used to always say this to me, um, it won't be like this forever. And a lot of working with the just philosophy and going back to kind of where we started with the idea of acceptance I am a um, typically a pretty impatient person. And so um, when things aren't going well, I have a tendency to say, well, see, this isn't working. We're done. You know, and I, that got played out in my marriage that got played out in friendships in jobs. Um, I was very much a like quit it and move on person. And so going into a new relationship with the person I'm supposed to be with, um, that presented a huge challenge and really just, if I could tell her to lean into that friction a little bit, it won't be like this forever. This is a continual process. I also just want to like hurry up and be super enlightened now, <laughs> you know? So when I have these quote unquote failures, it, that old voice can come in and say like, see, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. Um, how can you possibly be leading students or, you know, whatever, sure. um, just telling her that accepting the process every single day is really what brings joy and peace. Well said acceptance man brought that full circle, huh? That was amazing. Um, but yes, well, thank you so, so, so much. Uh, do you happen to have any questions or anything in uh, completing that you would like to say or ask? Yeah, I guess something I've kind of been throwing around in my mind a little bit, going back to the, the idea of trust. I'm trying to find the balance between still being really good at my job and working hard and putting in the effort that needs to be done, and, but then also trusting that everything's going to be the way it's supposed to be. Like that is, that is a paradox. It's really hard for me to sit with. Yeah. I think that uh, what I would like to suggest there is actually uh, one of the four agreements um, that is that we just show up and we do our best every day. And that when we do our best, uh, that's, that's really all that we can do to be so-called in the flow of life or in that divine plan. And, that our focus isn't on the outcome of so-called success or failure, but just that we showed up and did our best. And our best isn't extreme. That's the other thing is that the best, in order to do your best at everything throughout your whole day, you can't do anything in an extreme. So we need to get out of the idea that our best is this extreme, that, that we've got to be at 10 all the time. Our best is to be a consistent best. It has to be at maybe a seven or an eight. But if you're hitting everything at a seven or eight success, that's going to be a successful life. That's 80% success. 
So I think a big part of that, uh, and I can feel your resonation. Uh, you just blew my mind again. <laughs> uh, is is that accepting that our best is you know slightly above good, and it doesn't have to be ten all the time. That becomes makes somebody uh, competition crazy trying to always do that 10 best but so i like to suggest that overall best throughout the whole day and ride that seven or eight rather than pushing and trying to hold that 10 because it's impossible as a human being because if you try to give 10 to something you're going to create a void somewhere else somewhere because else. you can't possibly give 10 to every everything right right but but doing that best i think people get hung on that they they actually think it's got to be the extreme best yeah. and then yeah, it's not sustainable Right. It's not sustainable. And then guilt comes in because as soon as you do a 10 and then you do a 3, then you're not doing any more 10s for a long time. And that's why that fluctuation of just being above 6 is, see, above 6 is above average. 5 is average. So if we bring that to a 7 or 8, that's a consistent best throughout a whole day. And, and that's certainly my intentions. I want to do my best in every situation with every person, but I have to accept that I can't go to any extreme with anyone or anything, or I won't have it for that next person or next situation. So once again, great question. Thank you very much, Claire. I think this went very well. I enjoyed the Amazing. conversation and the back and forth and the stuff that you were vulnerable to share. I think it, I mean, it added more perspectives for me uh, and I'm sure everybody else out there. Yes. Yeah, so it's a wonderful job. Big gratitude to Claire. And Thanks, um, thank you to everyone listening. And please let us know what you think about the, the change in the format. Much love. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is w-i-s-e-w-h-y-s dot com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary 
Vibrotune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.